Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 273 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. How was your Christmas, Joe? Uh, not bad. You know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Christmas being on a Monday was very odd. Yeah. Yeah, you guys talked about it on one of the other shows, but my days were way thrown off, you know, because there was football for like four days in a row, it felt like. And yeah. I had nothing to base my time on. Right. And uh, then this was the first week I was back to work in like a week and a half. So like my mind was kind of frazzled from that. And uh, yeah, you know, and then there's like no new WWE content this week. Yeah, I, I went. Well, there was NXT. Come on. We'll hear all about that later on in the show. <laughs> Will I? Yes, you you get to hear all about it, Joe. But I, I do begrudgingly throw on Raw and fast forward through it just to see if there's uh there's anything that the Felicia needs to take notice of. And I saw it was a recap show and I was like, all right, cool. That's, that's a, I was about to say three hours, but uh, that's about 10 minutes of fast forwarding that I don't have to do. Yeah. That's SmackDown's uh, best of show this weekend as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very happy about that. <laughs> I know. I, I know we're not a ratings talk person. I don't even know how I saw it because I have like all ratings discussion and ratings people muted, mm-hmm. but because Raw was a best of, uh, and AEW did, and again, listen, ratings are subjective, whatever, 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 right? Um, so this was the lowest rated Raw of all time. This past really? month, Raw, yes. The lowest rated, rated Raw in the history of the show. And AEW beat Raw this week. Nice. The wars, the tide is turning. And it's That's all it takes, just one win, right? Yep. Yep. This Eddie Kingston thing, we'll get into it when we get into it, but Eddie Kingston is the Mick Foley winning the world title, you know, <laughs> like yeah. on, on Raw versus Nitro, you know, that's yes. just, the tides have turned. Exactly. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be part of it. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the history of everything that happened on this day in wrestling history here as well. All right. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. I always pull everything. I always include everything that comes up on this day in wrestling history. Um, sometimes we talk about stuff. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes I'm like, eh, I just want to give it a passing mention. And that's one of these things here today, right? Mm. 26 years ago today was Starcade 1997. This was the big Sting Hogan blow off. Okay. And I feel as though we have discussed how much WCW has fucked that moment up at least four times on this show alone. A hundred percent. I don't know if it was this day in history, but it's come up many times. It's come up many times. The Patreon, you know? Right. And it's just that today was the day. Today's the 26th anniversary. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. I mentioned it. Moving on. Okay. All right. Uh, On this day in wrestling history, if I do my Gazintas 31 years ago, because we're all very old, (laughs) was WCW presented Star in 1992. WCW presented Starcade from the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, There has never been a more Bill Watts ass card in the in the short history of Bill Watts booking WCW than this show, right? Yeah, I see a million names on that card, and you have half of it covered up, too, so... Right, okay, so, 
Um, this is when they decided, because Bill Watts is running things, but Dusty was booking, and they wanted to make Battle Bowl a thing. And I think this was the first or second ever, but it was the second ever Battle Bowl, and they did the draws as a shoot, right? Okay. So, you know, in years that would come by in, like, 94, 95, 96, they would be the most worked, like, draws in the history of whatever. But all the draws are a shoot. The winners of the tag matches go on to a battle royal at the end of the night. The winner of the battle royal wins the battle bull ring, which means nothing. Yeah, it doesn't have the prestige of a dynamite diamond ring. Right. It was it was a <laughs> dusty idea of, like, in sports, when you win, you get a ring. Yeah. And he's like, in, he goes, I want something in wrestling that you don't win a belt, you win a ring. Okay. Sure. So you got, you know, you've got Dan Spivey, Cactus Jack, Big uh, Vader, Dustin Rhodes, Barry, uh, you know, uh, Barry Windham, all these like um, Bill Watts ass people, right? Steve Williams. But the the roster is so lean at this point, right? They do their eight matches to determine who's going to go on to the Battle Royal. Then... Multiple people are doing double duty on this show, where Barry Windham and Brian Pillman, the proto Hollywood blondes, by the way, they they were supposed to be the Hollywood blondes before. Well, Pillman had turned heel like earlier, like around like September. Austin was in limbo at this point, like still part of the Dangerous Alliance, but they were wrapping up the Dangerous Alliance. Barry Windham had just recently turned heel, so they put Barry Windham and Brian Pillman together as a tag team. Barry Windham gets hurt. The Dangerous Alliance is done, and it's like, well, we got nothing to do with Pillman. We got nothing to do with Austin. I guess we'll just throw them together. But the plan was supposed to be Barry Windham and Brian Pillman were supposed to be the team, not Brian Pillman and Steve Austin. Okay, now I get you. It's just a, a happy accident that it yes. ended up getting together, sure. Um, so also on the show, Vader and Sting wrestle in the finals of the King of Cable tournament. <laughs> sure. Ron Simmons defends the the title against Dr. Death Steve Williams. All of these people are people that are in the tournament, the Battle Royal thing as well. Masahiro Chono defends the NWA title. Again, why is there a WCW and an NWA title at the same time? Bill Watts. This sounds very much like a current AEW show, to be honest with you. Like 27 belts, different tournaments ending, battle royals, tag tournaments. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so again, this is like the beginning of the end of Bill Watts. It would come out in about um, six weeks time that uh, Bill Watts might be racist and he got fired from his job. I'm not shocked about the racist thing. I'm shocked about him getting fired for it. Yeah, well, it, they ha- let's just say the higher ups at Turner had to be told and faxed, because that's how long ago this was, faxed many times. <laughs> they had to really had to twist their arm to make that move. Yes. Uh, so 25 years ago today, we have our head-to-head Monday Night Raw versus Monday Nitro. Um, Raw, we're building toward Royal Rumble, okay? We got... Uh, Vince and Austin in the battle in the Royal Rumble. Winner of the Royal Rumble gets the shot at the at the champion at WrestleMania that year. Whoever eliminates Austin, who has been forced to draw number one, 
uh, they get a $100,000 bonus. Yep. But on Raw this week, we get one of the training vignettes of Vince getting ready for the Royal Rumble. And this is one, this is peak Vince. All right, see it. All right. All for you, baby. How bad do you want it? Austin, Austin, Austin. What the hell are you doing? We're four weeks out. Four weeks out. This is good for you. Yeah, yeah this is perfect. I'm going to train. Yeah, we're going to train. Need a little energy to train. Here we go. Let's listen to that knockoff Rocky they're playing. Yeah, and it's- Shane's making the cracking the eggs for the yep. people that aren't watching How, this. How bad do you want this? Endurance, endurance, endurance. The key to the rumble is to stay afloat. It's endurance. Pull it, pull it, pull it. Oh, yeah. That's too easy. Come on. Come on. Pull. God. Austin, Austin. Too heavy, damn it. Look at how jacked Too heavy, my ass. Look at that. Pull that up. Are they going to show him actually injecting the chicken and rice? No. Well, uh, hang on. Wait. Let's go. Very close. Austin, baby. Austin. Stone Cold, baby. You going to let him destroy our lives? No, I don't think so. Pull. Pull again. We got speed, baby. You got to eat lightning and crap thunder. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ah! It's not the power. It's not the speed. It's the endurance. That's it. Number 30. I know. I know. Let's go. Let's go. Endurance. I said pull. You quit. Your intensity is for sure. Austin! 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 You hate him. That's right. Let's go. Ah, I hate Austin. You hate Austin. You must. I hate Austin. Hold on. Let's go. Here we go. Come on. Take the pill. All right. Take the power. Who's off? Austin's mine. That's it. One more, baby. Yeah. Pull, 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 pull. That gym hasn't been up since Come on. That's the gym in Titan Towers. No, I know. But I'm saying, like, it's got the lighting that you would expect in, like, 1986, 87. That's the, the the lighting that you're seeing here. If you've seen this clip and you're seeing right now, this is the same lighting that you would see in like Ico Pro commercials and episodes of WBF Body Stars. Exactly. <laughs> Austin, Austin, I hate Austin, get it, baby. I hate Austin. Get it down. Get it down. Yes, yes. That's it. That's oh, it's it. making a mess of itself. Who? Who do you want, Austin? Who do you want, Austin? Who? Austin. Who do you hate? Who do you hate? Austin. You're gonna It's just the beginning. We're four weeks out. Austin 316, please. Give me a oh hell yeah. You're ready, baby. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> there must have been another vignette, but there, there, if there is another vignette next week or the week after, we'll absolutely be playing it. As Adam mentions about the chicken and rice, because, uh, you know, it does come up. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so that's really all that's going on on Raw. You know, like, obviously, they have their plan, they have their format, they have everything going on, right? Okay. Nitro, on the other hand, okay? We're the night, it's the night after Starcade 98. Uh, the streak has been ended. Kevin Nash defeats Goldberg. He's the new champion. But we don't care about that, per se. There's a lot of other stuff that's going on on this episode of Nitro that we need to talk about. 
so Adam, I know it's spoken of uh, in the soon to be named network. Larry Zabisco, all time bad place Hall of Fame adjacent at least, right? Yeah, the New World Odor. Right. But should have signed Tim's fucking video game. Every once in a while, he steps in something. Okay. So let's uh, let's throw it to um, the living legend himself. Just like you've talked about many times, Mike Diana of the rope. Here comes Chavo the legs. Well, misdirection play that time, but Chavo kept the momentum going. It's trying a sunset flip. Boy, Norman really showboating. But Chavo didn't have enough weight or his hands high enough to pull him over. Norman's giving him the big wiggle. and Whoa, double choke up into the air. Nice recovery by Chavo to the roll-up. So that's the first time that Norman's little dance is called the big wiggle. Uh, I, I would not call this a historic moment as on this day in WWE <laughs> christens it, but uh, I agree. It a is moment. a historic moment. How dare you? Uh, all right. To each their own. Okay. So there are more historic moments on this episode of Nitro. How do you top that? <laughs> okay. Well, here's how I top that with Ernest the Cat Miller. Oh, Jesus. I'm World Karate Champions got the stick. I want all you people to shut up and sit down. Now, you people should be glad to see me out here because you know that I'm the greatest. In the way some of you guys look, man, are you ugly. So I just want to pause it here for a second. So we're like, a, like the, the stuff that we're watching is like two years after this, right? And yeah, Ernest, on the Patreon. Right, on the Patreon. And Ernest Miller's still doing the same shtick, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I I would not play an Ernest Miller promo unless it did not lead to something else, right? And it needs the context. Right, I hope so. <laughs> Brother, where you get that ugly shirt from? Come on in here, I'll whoop you right now. I am the greatest. I can whoop anybody out there. I tell you what, if you people don't believe me, Marshall, call my mama. I'm going to whoop somebody in here tonight. Hey. Hey. Yes. Come on out here. Let's go. Come on out. You know, week after week, we listen to... Ernest Mills talking about his black belt experience and you know I don't know a lot about karate I delve in it a little bit myself but my friend Ralphus and I have been looking to find a suitable opponent for this man and Shima Ramalama Ding Dong we know that you have what it takes to whoop this man Ralphus has been watching it. he brought me to your attention that's right back come on buddy let's go let's, let's, let me tell you what we're gonna do we're going to watch your back tonight, and we're going to make sure that Ernest plays it by the rules. I know you were trained by Ultimo Dragon. Right. I know you're a karate master, a karate machine. And Shaman Abanubi, <laughs> Ralphus and I will watch your back until the end. We promise because we are true friends. We are true amigos. And I'm telling you, come on, get some fire. Where's your fire? Come on. Put on your war face! Ah! 
We know you can win. We know you can take him. Walk up these steps, little buddy, and whip this man. We're going to watch you. Go ahead. Come on, go. We'll watch you make sure that everything works out. Go. Take him out. Kick him. Punch him. Come on, do some karate. Come on, go. Go! We'll watch your back! Come on! Oh! You know he played well, Mike, today. The man. All right. So, as you're going to be surprised, they do not watch his back. But that is uh, Seema, who would go on to uh, found Dragon Gate and then Dragon Gate USA and an early person in uh, AEW before the pandemic shut down, like all uh, travel. I was just about to say all that, but I'm I'm glad you got it right there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, that's uh, Seema's debut, and uh, they gave him, like, the little rub from Jericho. Jericho mentioned that he was trained by Ultimo Dragon in the Torimon promotion, and Jericho and Ultimo Dragon were buddies and pals and so forth. And I, I think in a different world, remember when they did the five trials of Jericho uh, leading up to the, the, max, the match at MJF? Uh-huh. If travel was different, we probably would have gotten uh, Jericho, Ultimo Dragon, or at the very least, Dr- Jericho Sema in AEW. Yeah, like instead of Nick Gage, like a random throw. Right. In right. Okay. Um, but also on this Nitro, as we saw last week, I know you had asked, how could he get any sadder? But, you know, Raven is sad Scotty Flamingo. His mom finally confronted him on air. And now it's- Scotty is not at the building he's not blowing off wrestling matches he's finally back home in uh palm springs did we ever figure out if this is his shoot mom i don't know damn it somebody let us know for her son take a look looks like your front yard jeff oh yeah Thanks for opening the door for me, Chris. Come on, Scotty. We're home. Let's get out. Come on. Come on. Your sister's waiting inside. I've got things ready. Sister. Oh, my God. Please. Come on, Scotty. You're yeah, home I know it's now. awesome. I live here, you idiot. <laughs> Did you take that jacket off? I like it's my Florida. jacket. It's Florida. It's hot. Come on in. Leave it alone. Come on. Huh? Maybe you'd like to take a bath. Get cleaned up. Come on. Little bats for Raven. Come on. Come on. Got the snot rag. Could be worse. How could it you be know, worse? you could be in the hood. That's fine. Can we go? Oh, oh Scotty. Uh, how do you get back in here? Oh, stop. Take your jacket off. Take your jacket off. It's hot. This is Florida. Come on. Check into the kitchen. I'm going to make you a ham sandwich. I'm I don't want a ham sandwich. I'll put Mama. some chocolate in your milk. You I don't love want chocolate. That I don't like it. Mama, I've never liked it. It's going to be good for you, dear. I'm going to make it for you right now. Can you make me a drink? No, no. Scotty, I'm starting. Can you make me a drink? No drink. Scotty. No. Scotty, no. Get in. I'm going to make you a ham sandwich. I'm going to get you some milk. Chris, I'll make you one, too. Um, give me a club soda. Club soda. Okay, I'll get you a club soda with a squeeze of lime, just the way you like it. Mom, the TV doesn't work. Well, turn it on. Mom, I turned it on. It's not working, Mom. Have to use the remote, Scotty. You know that. It doesn't work. The so that's the beginning. TV. Yeah, the giant ass big screen TV. <laughs> and Canyon comes in, he's selling it with the mouth agape. And they mention <laughs> Scotty's sister. Oh my goodness. All this lore we're getting introduced to. 
and, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but doesn't this lead to uh, another one of his friends showing up that it has new backstory that we uh, don't know about? Scotty's wacky next door neighbor. That's right. Okay. All right. Just making sure that I'm remembering. I'm trying to do better at not spoiling it by asking questions. Yes. yes. Right. So obviously we're talking about it. Starcade was the night before. You get the big loss for Goldberg, but also the other big double main event from Starcade was Eric Bischoff versus Ric Flair. And of course, after all those weeks and the heart, the fake heart attack and the poisoning and Bischoff forcing himself on his wife and beating up his children, of course, Eric Bischoff won the match at Starcade. Of course. Now, uh, it's the next night on Nitro. Now, as you see here, this clip is 10 minutes long. I don't know if we're going to play the whole 10 minutes, but we're probably going to play a lot of it because um, Ric Flair's got some feelings about what happened last night. <sighs> All right. Ric Flair, 13-time former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. You have captured the hearts of the... Okay, so I need to stop it right there. 13-time <laughs> WCW Champion... No, because they count the two WF reigns in there, so it's 11. Anyway. Anyway. These people for two decades as the consummate professional wrestler. Ric Flair coming off that, that horrible, that travesty in Washington last night. Where were you going with all this gear? Oh, man. You know, Gene... Thank you. But you know what? The truth is, all this, I don't deserve it. I got my ass kicked last night. And damn it all, I'm ashamed of it. Eric Bischoff did not. No, 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 there was interference. You know, and Baltimore knows me. Hell, I know Baltimore. But I. What am I going to say? I got in the car last night. I went back to the hotel. I called Arn Anderson. I said, Iron Brother, it's over. I got drunk. I woke up today. I said, it's over. I called my wife. She said, which Get one? Home. It's over. Oh, come on now. I got on the plane. I sat down. The flight attendant said, What do you want, Mr. Flair? And I said, Hell, I want to go to Baltimore. And that's the flight attendant said, Please, Mr. Flair, stop it. <laughs> please, please put that away. So, Bishop. Wherever you are, and brother, right now, you're the man. I'm asking you and Baltimore 18,000 strong and 20 million people out there to hear me out for the very last time. Me, Gene, who made this coat? Hugo Boss, Armani, you set up broke hell. My life's just starting, Jack. What is what is this? Who made it? Harry Ellis. My goodness, uh, I'm starting to. This is how I travel, you jackass. I'm custom made from head to toe. Have been and always will be. You jackass. Taking all of his clothes here. Shirts, suits, suits, ties. That's me! I've lived the life of a king because the people have allowed me to! Woo! 
I don't know what 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 is the point. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait there. Is what he did to the stewardess. Two thousand dollars, alligator. It's yours. Thirty thousand dollars. It's a gold Rolex. It's yours. Hell, you see this? Oh my word! Did the guy snap? Hundred dollar bill. It's yours. Hey, yours. It's not. Yours. Three grand. He's usually much more responsible with his money. What's going on? Hey, he just rifled a Gucci shoe. He's throwing it. He's throwing his shoes in the crowd, and that would—that way, he winged it at a person. He didn't loft it, so it like he—he he had intent. Yeah, he said, "Fuck that guy." What is going on, Bischoff? I ain't leaving. Oh, wait a minute! In boxer shorts. Second. Dropping the elbow. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving Baltimore till you and I get something straight. I'm telling you, Bischoff, I will leave the wrestling world forever. I will sign my house, my cars, whatever money I have, I'll sign it over to you. I will give you the satisfaction of saying you raped the nature boy. If you have the you know what to walk say rape but don't say balls Thank yeah you. it's a bridge too far <laughs> the aisle here tonight one more time he called him out oh whoa you've got thousands of dollars laid out here you'll sign everything over you want but, but the one stipulation that i'm begging you God, I'm begging you, Bishop, be a man. If by the grace of the good Lord, woo, I beat you, I get to run WCW for 90 days. Get out of here. And the first thing I'm going to do is take your head out of Hogan's ass. That sounds like a challenge. You have had Turner blindfolded. You're a scammer. You're a schemer. You've got the brain of a pisshead. And you're running an empire. You're not smart. It's tradition. It's Goldberg. It's Nash. It's the Four Horsemen. It's the Steiners. Luger, Sting, and all of us that have bled and sweat hell. Wait a minute, there are no more clothes left here. Nature Boy, what is this? Oh, my, oh. $30,000. Fish off! Took out some handcuffs. I ain't going home! He's handcuffing himself to the ring! Until you get your ass out here. Come on! Okay, I've been told we're going to be right back. Don't go away, please. Bischoff, you turn the camera off, and I'll be naked when you come back. Oh, my God. He'll do it. This is this is unbelievable. Fans, you can't afford it to go anywhere. 
said you seen your cat. Come on back. Now, not to, ma- not to make light of the countless uh, allegations of sexual assault against the Nature Boy Ric Flair, but we should have seen this coming, right? This is 25 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, really. Uh, oh, so, Nate. Uh, so Bischoff comes out, he accepts the match, and like he's got you hyped up, he's got you ready, like things are going to happen, right? Of course. Of course there's multiple run-ins. Capped off by the giant coming in. I'm sorry. Yeah. The giant right, coming in. That. Then who comes out to stop the giant but Macho Man, who's in his short hair with gorgeous George Faze, dressed up in NW Hollywood outfit. Even though the last time he was on TV, he was part of the Wolfpack. He swerves the giant, gives him a low blow, tosses him out. And allows Ric Flair to get the win over Eric Bischoff. I'm a little upset that I didn't get to see that gorgeous George clip, but go on. It's just her, it's just her walking out to the ring with Macho, man. She don't do nothing of note, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. But listen, both companies, this is a turnaround. It's a hot angle the night after a pay-per-view. Adam, what could go wrong? I, I cannot imagine anything that could go wrong. Now, I could sit here and talk for the next 40 hours about what happens at WCW in the next four months, let alone over the next two years or whatever it is. But I will say this. uh, There is no homework this week. There won't be anything on the Patreon or whatever. If you got time in your busy schedule, there's no Raw. There's no SmackDown. I don't. We're probably going to talk about the January 4th, 1999 Raw next week. And we're probably going to talk about the January 4th, 1999 Nitro next week. If you haven't seen him in a while, maybe give yourself a little bit of a refresher. I'll be watching them both between now and then. (laughs) All right. Now, one last thing, of course, that we have to cap things off with here, Adam. Now, again, I know we don't talk about old stuff, of course, to you, anything that happened. You know, you're you're one of these these classic wrestling fans that only know the Attitude Era and sooner, you know. (laughs) 1990 come on all right so ed uh, yes uh so on this day in wrestling history 39 years ago on 2020 john stossel did an expose on the world of professional wrestling he interviewed this wrestler eddie mansfield who exposed the business showed that wrestlers cut themselves to bleed the wrestling business will never be able to come back from this. But mm-hmm. all of that that happened on that 2020 report, this is what everyone remembers from it. I wouldn't be in it if it wasn't. Why is it a good thing? Because only the tough survive. That's the reason you ain't in it. And this punk holding the camera reading he ain't in it. Reading these rednecks out here ain't in it because it's a tough business. That's terrific. Wait, is that all you got? Well, I'll ask you the standard question. You know? Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? <laughs> Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? Oh! Now, <laughs> so this was obviously pre-recorded. <laughs> one of the most legendary moments in professional wrestling, right? Yeah, the the first one, you know, it was it was solid, but the second one was a haymaker. Yeah, the second one he was the first one he was swinging to let him know he was there. Yeah, <laughs> gauging his distance yes. <laughs> for the second one. Um, so, uh, so this is pre-recorded. It airs, you know, on this day. 
this same night that this is airing on 2020, Madison Square Garden, they start the angle to build toward the first WrestleMania. It's the uh, Captain Lou Albano babyface turn where Cindy Lauper and Dick Clark acknowledge that Captain Lou uh, helped out with the muscular dystrophy charity. They present him with a gold record. Roddy Piper comes out and smashes the gold record over Captain Lou's head. And we're off to the races. So, 39 years ago, like, this is where wrestling began for me. Like, I had been watching a little bit beforehand. Like, I remember seeing the Piper Snooker thing, probably not on the first airing, but it was definitely before all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, this happening on regular TV and me watching this as a seven-year-old kid, right? Yeah. And then the TV the next day where they recap what happened at Madison Square Garden the night before, it's just like, I'm hooked. I And I never look back. Yeah, and I definitely didn't learn about this for the first time on the Dark Side of the Ring documentary. Really? Yeah. I think we talked oh. about that when it happened, when we watched the show. Like I, I, I might have heard of it. I never saw it before. I might have blocked it out because I was embarrassed for you. <laughs> it happened in 84. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Le- legendary moment. Anyway. Uh, so, hey, that's what happened uh, this day wrestling history. Adam, uh, it's the end of the year. I figure I'll let you go first. What would you like to talk about that happened in the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling? Uh, three words. Eddie. Fucking Kingston, Joe. Well, Joe is the fourth word, but that wasn't part of it. Uh, So, obviously, we all knew what the best case scenario, at least for our fandom, would be in this tournament. And that was having Eddie Kingston. Well, we all wanted him just to win every match. But when it became clear he wasn't going to win every match, we're like, okay, he has to come from behind and win the block. And then when you start fantasy booking the other side, it's like, okay, do we want to push Swerve? But as Brett and DJ said uh, over on We Need Wrestling, or was it Tim and Marcus? I'm not sure. But somebody, one of our friends said that Swerve is almost too big for the C2 and that he deserves the world title run. So it's like, okay, well, Moxley's the best possible scenario because then we could pay off this long storyline that we never got a payoff from of, of Kingston never beating Moxley. And it's almost like wrestling is easy if you do what people want and the logical stuff. Like, this is all gone according to plan. You have all the storylines of Eddie never being able to beat uh, the dragon, uh, uh, Danielson, and he ends up beating him. The promos before and after. Then you have the promo with Moxley, and I'm sure we're going to get, you know, a bunch of internet exclusive ones between now and the pay-per-view. Like, I'm so pumped. And as many people have posted over the last day, like you want to run through a wall for Eddie Kingston. So uh, I'm just super happy about all this. I can't really add anything to it that we're not already thinking, but this obviously has to be the first thing we talk about. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think most of us, if not all of us that filled out a bracket for the Continental Classic, you know, no matter how we got there, I think we all said it was going to be Eddie and Mox at the end for the most part. I think Brett even got, like, the scoring, like, either dead nuts on or super close, mm-hmm. which is super impressive. But scoring, brackets, all the other things that um, everyone bitched and complained about and nitpicked about or whatever it was, it all comes down 
to the two matches that Eddie has with Danielson, the promos surrounding them. Did you see the post-match promos with these two? Not the ones that were on TV, but the ones that uh, were on social media and stuff. I saw the Eddie Kingston one where he's got both of his shoulders iced up. I, yeah. I didn't see a Danielson one, though. The, the Danielson one is great, too. And then the post-match promo of Eddie and Mox, like, you know, I mentioned before moments ago, seeing the John Stossel thing with Dr. D. David Schultz, like seeing the the fl- the, the Roddy Piper thing with Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper and Dick Clark when I'm seven years old. It's like, I'm a fan for life. It's stuff like this with Eddie, with John Moxley, Brian Danielson, everybody that had these crazy matches in the Continental Classic that keeps me here as a fan. Like, I've definitely, like, my fandom has gone up and down, but I've never left, and I can never see myself ever leaving being a fan of professional wrestling. And, you know, this is not, and, you know, you'd mentioned about Swerve, and I don't think Swerve is too big for the Continental Classic yet, but his story is different. And as we've seen over the six weeks, they peppered in the stuff with Keith Lee, and when we get to talking about the pay-per-view... I'll make all my bold predictions there. But 2024 is going to be Swerve's year. Let Eddie close out 2023 on this high, right? Yeah. You know, winning the Ring of Honor championship, winning the New Japan Strong, competing in the G1, being in this tournament, you know, getting that first victory ever over Danielson, you know, going in, having the match with Mox this weekend that I'm sure is going to knock people's socks off and being the first ever American triple crown champion. Now, granted, do I think Eddie's going to have a long reign as the champion? Probably not. He says it himself. He's the king of the bums, king of the underdogs, uh, you know, all the other things that he would be. And Eddie is definitely someone who fights from behind effectively but it's nice when the guy who fights from behind gets that moment to shine. And that's what this past Wednesday was. And that's what this upcoming Saturday is going to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm here for it. I can't wait. Yeah. And we'll talk about like predictions in a little bit, but I, I just can't imagine a world where he doesn't get, uh, he being Kingston, get that win over Moxley, you know, just to fit to finish the story, to borrow a term yes. from the other guys, you know? And that's the thing. The, with WWE, like, Cody had to tell us and make this imaginary thing about it's the title his dad never won and I'm going to finish the story for my dad because that's what he wanted to. And, you know, it became a meme and then he didn't finish the story and whatever it is. Eddie just does it, man. Mm-hmm. You know? he Because it's not you. like... Yeah. They haven't been spending the entire Continental Classic talking about, like... You know, what if it comes down to Eddie Kingston and Moxley? Because Eddie Kingston's never beat Moxley. It's it just it's something that once it got to that final or close to it, you start thinking about if you didn't fill out a bracket like a lot of you guys did, you start to be like, holy shit, if this is Mox versus Kingston, you know, there's that storyline that started a couple of years ago. You know, it hasn't been hit over our head, but it's out there and you're able to get resolution from it, you know? And that's the thing. The last time that they wrestled Eddie and Mox was three years ago during the no crowd shows at Daly's place. Yeah. So it's like almost like brand new. It's almost like they never wrestled. And, yeah, and it's just the, the fact that obviously like people like us that are invested in it, you know, are yep. happy to see it paid off. But exactly. Man, I'm super pumped for that. 
But again, I don't want to keep asking our hypotheticals, but we'll get to it later on in the show. But what else do you have? So, Adam, you know, we, we, we try to keep it to like the stuff that happens in ring and, you know, on the shows and everything else like that. And every once in a while we venture out. You know, I mentioned last week about L.A. Knight getting the key to the city. And I'm not going to mention that again, but I just did. That doesn't count. But <laughs> I watched the video. It's very, you know, touching. It's interesting to see Humble. And now you're getting these people that are kind of split on L.A. Knight of like, no, we, we, we don't want him to be the humble guy from meager beginnings who worked so hard to come to WWE. They want the brash, you know, trash talking, so on and so forth sort of guy. I think we're going to get it both, right? They could okay. do both. <laughs> the thing I want to talk about is I just want to say it, it would you would have to be a real piece of shit to make a remark about someone's wife who was handling and in charge of the merchandise for a company. And after she actually made that company money for the first time at that time, that company had been running for seven years. It was the first time they ever made money on their merchandise because of her. And the person who ran that promotion acknowledged her publicly and privately and thanked her in front of the entire locker room and made it a big deal of because of her, things turned around for their merch. And it would be a real piece of shit thing to do to talk about that person and the job that they did behind her back. And instead of going to her and bringing the issues up with her to be snakes and weasels, you know, granted it was 15 years ago, but you'd have to be a real piece of shit to do something like that, right? Sure. So I won't talk about the Young Bucks wife not being in charge of the merch at AEW anymore. <laughs> I'm glad we won't talk about it. Yeah. Not going to mention it. Yeah. We'll That's lower right. ourselves to that. Right. A real piece of shit would do that. <laughs> uh, the merch table looks stocked last night, though. Saw some it pictures. Looks, it looks stocked last Saturday, too. Yeah. What changed? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, my turn? Yes. All right. Um, you know what, Joe? We're going to – I have two different things here. I'm going to say that it's time for us to discuss a special moment. My way, my life. The Lexus King moment of the week. That's right, Joe. I watched NXT, so you don't have to. And right. Lexus King competed in the men's breakout tournament semifinals, and the NXT random name generator has gone off and boop, 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 and it has generated Riley Osborne as his uh, competitor. And Riley Osborne is one of the Chase U background guys, like just one of the random people that wears a Chase U shirt. Uh, so I've never seen him before. This match. Uh, basically, Lexus King's offense was primarily a single leg crab that he held for a few minutes. And then Riley basically b uh, bumped off of him and outclassed him in every way. Uh, much better wrestler, this Osborne kid. Um, but then I guess the guy who who Lexus replaced in the tournament, who I think they called Bear Hill. I'm still not clear on who this is, but it's like a Native American gimmick. Uh, not like. I don't know. Like Tatanka? 
it's kind of like he wears like street clothes, but he has his face painted. He's like, uh, you know, Native American, but like not like, you know, with a tomahawk. Uh, but his name is Bear Hill, and he came out and he distracted Lexus King by basically hitting the chair that he was carrying. He was like hitting it like 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 clapping and that was enough to distract lexus king and osborne hits a shooting star press and gets the win that's right lexus king does not advance in the men's breakout tournament uh instead whoever wins this tournament will be somebody that i've never heard of and is somehow a bigger star than lexus king and then bear a uh, bear hill again don't know if that's his name he does back rakes to Lexus a bunch of times before Lexus runs away. So Lexus got his back scratched a bunch of times by a guy named Bear, and that was your Lexus King moment of the week. You know the Lexus King moments are so good, they don't even recap them on the uh, WWE YouTube page. <laughs> Do you see any guy that has like some face paint and maybe like a mohawk, like any of those clips? Because I'm trying to figure... Oh, there he is! Right there on the right in the middle. That's the match. Riley Osborne versus. Oh, Bob. there it is. Okay. Yeah. There's see the gonna... guy sitting on the chair. That's the Native American dude. And All again, right, I so think his gonna... name is Bear Hill. We're going to go right to the finish here. Okay. King! He didn't care about you being King King, who, of course, has crowned himself the breakout star already. Osborne trying to fight his way to the finals. The winner of this tournament gets a guaranteed championship uh, contract to execute uh, at their own will. And there's Lexus King again. Innovative backstabber. <laughs> oh, man. Of almost a straight jacket into the cover. No, no, no. Just got that right shoulder. That's Great nice. job by our official Gary Wilson. Right on top. Shout Hale out to Hale. A Shout out to Jane. But even a look of worry now over Hale, Jane, and the rest of that chase you student section. Look at this kid, Riley Osborne. He came in. He had a nice, beautiful smile. He I apologize to anybody who has to listen to Booker King's commentary. fixing that. I'm glad Booker T woke up for the commentary. <laughs> Can you imagine if King gets that contract, the sort of power? Oh, wait a minute. King would have is King to the top. Yep, right there. That's your distraction. Barbero <laughs> providing that distraction. It's a pretty nice move. King took his eye off the ball. Osborne, target acquired. Shooting star press. Cover. Count. Not like this. Osborne is headed to the finals. I hope they show the back scratch. Riley. Still fine. Oh. No, that's it. They don't show the back scratching. Damn it. But that was your moment right there. Trey, Be sure to give it a like and a subscribe, Joe. <laughs> Trey Bearhill is the gentleman's name. Okay, so I did hear Bear Hill. I thought it was just that was his name, Bear Hill. But Trey Bear Hill. He's like a oh. hillbilly character. He's got like schmutz on his face or something. No, it's it's like war paint. All right. But anyways, that's your Lexus King moment of the week. All right. Well, what do you got, Joe? All right. So this is the last thing I got. I don't know if you got anything else. I got something else. All right. So uh, Brett and DJ, I'm sure, will go into a much more uh, in-depth discussion of it on their show since both of them saw it. I went to see it with them. But I want to talk about uh, Iron Claw, right? Okay. I'll say I liked it. You should really definitely go see it. But I'm a wrestling fan. I'm genetically predisposed to like wrestling stuff, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I can make an argument for Ready to Rumble as a good movie, you know? <laughs> of course. Um, so I, I think... Being a wrestling fan and knowing the story of the Von Erichs, 
was more of a detriment to me because there's so much that they miss and there's so much that they gloss over and there's stuff that they fold into each itself. And I get that you have this story that you want to tell and I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a a writer, a director, an editor, uh, anything like right on down the line when it comes to Hollywood decisions were made for whatever reason, it was still a very good movie and I still recommend it. My biggest issue with it is, and I know there was the, the video going around of the guy who was Ric Flair in the movie. And the guy who plays Ric Flair in the movie is very bad, right? Is, Only it the, is it true it's the guy from Young Rock who plays Ric Flair on that? I don't think so. Okay, I, I thought I saw that, but I might have gotten got. On yeah, that. so it, it, the thing is, it's bad, but it's not bad enough to ruin the movie. And I think the reason it's it's so glaringly bad is that, like, your neighbor does a good Ric Flair impersonation, right? Yeah. And, oh, and the, the guy, guy couldn't woo? The the guy had the verbiage, but he didn't have the delivery, right? Yeah. His woo was bad. His hair was bad. He looked like this little... He looked like a, a child. He didn't look like a man, like how Ric Flair looks like a man. Um, now, that being said, my biggest issue with the movie was the casting of the Von Erics themselves. You know, I know Zac Efron is the biggest name in the movie, I guess. And I know friend of the show, listener to the show, Tom Green had mentioned this. It was as though he had he had been cast for and trained with the chicken and rice to be <laughs> Carrie Von Eric. And when he showed up on set, they're like, "Yeah, you're you're, you're Dave, you're uh, you're Kevin now. You're just Kevin now." Um, and he didn't look like Kevin. He looked like Carrie. Okay. And the guy who played Carrie looked like Dr. Tom Pritchard, right? <laughs> so it was just like, and, and like, there's like issues with like time and the way that time moves. And again, spoilers for the movie. Um, like they do this whole thing where David dies. They decide that it's going to be Carrie who takes on Ric Flair at the Parade of Champions. Carrie wins. He's the NWA champion. He's, he's, he's got the NWA title at home. He's going to go out. He's very clearly drunk and pilled up. He goes out and rides his motorcycle. And then in the next scene, he's missing a foot. <laughs> now, that's not it's how like, it happened. Yeah, they're just like, eh, power of myth. But I get we got to compress stuff together. We got to, you know, we got to line stuff up in a certain way. Um, there were other people that were complaining that they weren't hard enough on Fritz, right? Okay. And Fritz von Erich is definitely the villain of the movie. But the fact that this was not a wrestling movie, this was a quote unquote, like good movie, an art house film that just happened to be this, have a subject of professional wrestling. They couldn't have Fritz be a mustache twirling villain. They have to have him be a flawed person. And he was pretty shitty in the movie, but it was interesting to see a movie where wrestling is the main thrust of everything. And it kind of be like subtle and not like beat you over the head with it. Granted, there's, like, two different scenes where Fritz is, like, talking about, like, being a dick. Like, he's just talking, like, you could, it comes off that he's a bad person. And the score starts to get, like, a little bit of an evil hit to it, you know? <laughs> that if you don't notice it, it, you don't notice it. But, like, the score just changes a little bit when Fritz is laying out his plan of, like, how we're going to get the NWA champion here, and then you're going to do this to them, and then they're going to have no choice, and so on and so forth. And then when he lays out his plan, and like Bill Mercer, whoever leaves, and he sits there in his chair, and the score just gets a little bit more like ominous, right? 
And that's about as like overt as the movie gets that this guy is evil. And he's evil. It's a good movie. I recommend it. There's definitely something that I will be purchasing when it comes out on Blu-ray because I want to see what was on the cutting room floor. Um, I think um, people have pointed out either on Twitter or in the Discord that they absolutely filmed the pizza the pizza buffet uh, commercial with these characters. Okay. And uh, I I wanted that to be the post credit scene, like oh, like you know, there's Thanos, but like no, here's the boys doing uh, the pizza in commercial, or whatever the pizza place is that they did the promotions for. Mm-hmm. And like I wanted to see them do it. Like it's one thing to act, and it's another thing to be a bad actor, but it's another thing to be a good actor acting bad. And that's what they would have to do to be in that pizza commercial. And I really wanted to see how they tried to pull it off. <laughs> I, de- I mean, I'll definitely see it. I'm not going to go to the movies and see it. I'll wait till it's streaming somewhere. But it is nice to see because I remember when this was maybe not first announced, but when it was getting closer to release, it was supposed to be a very limited release. And I know you guys were talking about like having to go to New York or Philly or something to watch it. So it's nice to see that it came to our neck of the woods. Yep. But I do have to ask you, was there an obligatory scene in the movie, like is in all wrestling movies, where like one of the wrestlers is explaining to like a girlfriend or something like what wrestling is, you know, for the audience? Like, oh, I'm a babyface tonight. That means I'm a good guy. Like, was there one of those conversations that always feels super uh, natural in these movies? So very early in the movie, like within the first like 15 minutes, um. You know, the Von Erics are leaving. A girl comes and she kind of gives uh, Kevin like the hardcore press and is like, oh, why don't you ask me out on a date? They go out on a date and they're talking and he's banged up and she just goes, I thought it was fake. And she go and he's like, and he gets all serious. He's like, no, like, you know, it's like I have to work out every day and like this to this toll and this, this, this. And then she goes, not fake, but she's like, you guys know who's going to win beforehand, right? And they do kind of like an explanation of it there. They don't spend a ton of time on it. It's maybe like 90 seconds, two minutes in the movie, and that's it. Okay. I just feel like there hasn't been a wrestling thing that hasn't had a conversation like that in there. Right. And then they show another part where it's, um, you know, uh, Kevin and David are going over a match. It's going to be like, uh, who's the not Dolph Ziggler, the shitty Nemeth brother is Gino R- Hernandez. R- okay, Ryan Nemeth. Right, G- it's Gino Hernandez and Bruiser Brody, and they just show a scene real quick where it's like they're going over the match beforehand, like just a busy locker room. The four of them are there, and like, okay, we're gonna get the heat on you. We're gonna toss you into the buckle. When I do, you do the up and over. You make the tag. You come in. You hit me with this, this, this. We'll distract the referee, so on and so forth, and that's how it'll go. All right, got it. Good. We'll get it out there, and then they show what they just explained. Okay. And that's really that's, it. That's, like, the only, like, wrestling is fake things that you get in the movie. Okay. I was just curious, but, yeah, I'll definitely – I'll check it out when it comes out, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was really good. I'm glad I went to go see it opening weekend. I'm glad I went to go see it with the boys, and, uh, yeah, I recommend it. All right. You have anything else? That's it. That's my last bit of business. I have one other thing, Joe. Um, I do need to compose myself first because I'm pretty heated about this. Oh, all right. Hang on. I'm, I'm <laughs> slow with these. I should have known. I don't know where this comes sometimes. So.
Joe, what's the purpose of starting up a wrestling business? What is your end goal when you're you're in the wrestling business? To lose a lot of money. Uh, that that that's what happens, but that's not oh. the goal, right? You want to make money. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, sure. So if you're trying to make money, the most possible money you can, would you would you tell Eddie Kingston, hey, knock it off with the promos? Would you ever say that to him? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. Eddie, you're hitting a little too hard. I need you to do. A, I need you to do a leg stomp, or you know what, Tony Storm, you're acting weird. Can you play this a little bit more straight? Would you do that, Joe, if you're trying to make money? No, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. W- would you ask the board to start bumping more? Oh God, no. Of course not. These are all stupid things that you would never do. And Joe, over the weekend, we got to see. Quite possibly the debut of the greatest wrestling gear in the history of man worn by Sky Blue when she tagged with Julia Hart. And it it, it was a a work of art. It was uh, it allowed her to it was four man function. You know, she got very good flexibility out of that. So it's like, okay, AEW is winning this. They're winning the war. But then I turn on Dynamite last night and I see the Sky Blue versus Chris Statlander match. And Joe, something changed. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, even though I wanted to. And I tried to figure out what was different about Sky Blue's gear. And it's almost like there was an extra layer thrown in there. And and it altered the entire gear and even though i'm uncancelable i'm going to be very delicate with this and i just think whoever made that call doesn't want to make money doesn't want to beat wwe and doesn't consider themselves like a a potential rival to the big the big company i'm just so hot from this joe and i'm shout out brett this is all this idea but uh i'm not happy about it so i'll say this uh, you know, obviously, Sky Blue is a new spooky character. Sometimes they say she's Sky Black, right? Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I would assume she went out and commissioned new gear to be made to accentuate her new spooky uh, disposition, if you will, right? Yep, yep. Let all I, that spooky hang out. Yep. Right, okay. I, I can't imagine Tony Khan going up to any woman on the show and saying little more here, a little less there. Maybe you want to lift that up. Maybe you want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see that happening. But I will say this. If Sky Blue is supposed to be a bad guy, if you want heel heat, you got to hide the ass meat. (laughs) Uh, I I don't agree. I feel like this was... uh... I think we're about to see the debut of 2024's version of Standards and Practice, and they took this away from us. And, if she uh, starts wrestling in long boys, we'll revisit this. Oh, I'm not happy, Joe. I'm not happy at all. <laughs> I'm sure somehow this too shall pass. That's uh, possible. I, I am known to fly off the handle about certain things, but... yes. Since we're trying to win a war, we meaning AEW, did you know that there's a premium live event this weekend? No, I knew there was a pay-per-view this weekend. Oh, that's the thing. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. 
Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the tribal chief? Yawn. Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That's right, Joe. According to Wikipedia, I forgot the script. According to Wikipedia, AEW will be holding World's End this week. And Wikipedia, being the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, says that there are 10 announced matches. However, I know for a fact that there was one that was just announced. And I won't fault Wikipedia for not knowing it. So 11 matches on world's end joe do you know the card yeah i think i do so uh let's get some of the title matches out of the way first if we can uh we got tony storm uh defending the title against riho yep uh we've got the aforementioned julia hart defending the title her title against abaddon yep uh christian cage is defending his title against uh what's mad y'all don't like edge in a no disqualification match? That's correct. That's three. Okay. Why did, like at one point I thought it was supposed to be a cage match for some reason. Like Christian Cage cage match. Anyway. Um then I know the trio's titles aren't currently being defended. Uh the tag titles are not being defended, but there's an eight person tag match, which is Big Bill, Ricky Stocks. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Kyle Fletcher. Uh, Takeshita instead. Takeshita is in the match. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was Kyle Fletcher or Takeshita. Taking on Jericho, Sam Guevara, Stang, and Darby Allen. That's number four. Okay. Uh, we have MJF taking on Samoan Joe for the AEW world title. That's five. We have the the real main event, the finals of the Continental Classic, which is Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. That's six. Keith Lee taking on Swerve Strickland. That's seven. Okay. Um, let me think here. I'm looking at everybody on the card here to see. Now, I know I saw it pop up. It's the other eight people from the Continental Classic in a big eight-person match. It's Correct. like um, like Mark Briscoe, uh, Brody King. I forget who's on what sides, but like it just literally got announced like an hour ago. Yeah, it's uh, Claudio, Danielson, Briscoe, and uh, Red, Red Death Yeah, versus the other guys, uh, Jay Lethal, Roosh. Uh, Jay White and Brody. Okay. Uh, did they announce Andrade versus Rusev? Uh, yes, Miro. Miro, Rusev, whatever. I don't want there to be a lot of dead air on the show, but I'm trying to think. Did you they... Affi- they uh, FTR versus House of Black in some combination? Uh, surprisingly not. Okay. Why did I think they announced that on Collision this past week? Nope. Okay. Wikipedia says it's not there. Most trusted uh, source. Uh, Wheeler Yuta versus Hook for the uh, FTW title in FTW Rules. That is correct. And what do I got? The, two left? Uh, you have one left. 
I'm going to kick myself for not getting this. So I don't know what it, I'm just going to say. I don't remember what it is right now. It's a 20 man battle Royal for a TNT oh. title shot. That's not real, but yeah. And right. I remember anytime, anywhere. Is that officially part of the show or is that on the pre-show or did they it's, didn't say, uh, Wikipedia does not have anything listed on the pre-show, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was there. I'm sure hook Yuda will be there as well. You know? Yeah. All right. So AEW pay-per-views typically deliver, right? Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm actually surprised that FTR House of Black isn't on here because that's been going on for a while and it might actually be on there. You know, I could see something getting bumped to the pre-show, maybe Julie Hart Abaddon, you know? Before they announced the eight person with all the leftovers from the Continental Classic, I was thinking that we were going to do the three members of House of Black against FTR and Garcia. Has Garcia been involved in that? Yeah, because he beat uh, he beat Brody King on Collision this past week, and oh, then okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, Buddy and Black Al came in and they beat him up after the match, and then FTR came in and made the save on yeah. Garcia. I completely forgot about that. You're right. So that's why I'm like, oh, maybe they'll do that as a six person, but whatever. Um, I could see them announcing like an acclaimed match. OC doesn't have a match in the pay per view. Maybe you know, a lot of these people might just be thrown in the the twenty person battle royal. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's sad because it's like I like the silly little bit of OC just being like, "Fine, I'll give you a title shot," but uh, you know he had that title has kind of fallen to the wayside since the C two's been going on. Hopefully, things change a little bit, you know, yeah. in the coming weeks. But I don't see him getting a, a solo match on this. You never know. They could have set something up on Rampage and we get it. You know, whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what do you got for predictions for the show? I got I got a couple bold ones. All right. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't see any titles changing uh, as far as, you know, Yuta's not beating Hook. Um, you know, Julia Hart's not losing to Abaddon. Tony Storm's not losing to Riho. Like, none of those are changing. Correct. Um, I can see Edge winning the TNT title just because it's a no DQ match. And I don't know. Like, it was just going to have him lose twice in a row to Christian. Like, I want Christian to retain, but I can see that you need to do something to heat up Edge because, you know, I don't think anybody cares. Like, the AEW fans aren't caring much. So I can see Christian losing the belt. And the only other title that I can see. I can see changing hands is now MJF losing to Samoa Joe. I don't think it will, but I want it to. That's more wishful thinking. So I, I definitely can see Edge winning the belt, but and this finally being Luchasaurus like turning on Christian. Yeah, because he hasn't been around in forever, you know. Yeah, so he'll come out and be like, "Oh, he's coming out to save Christian," and then he turns on him and yeah, ends up helping Copeland win. Um, I think it's clear Eddie's winning the Continental Classic. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you never know, but again, if you don't believe it, ain't gonna happen. Eddie's gonna win, right? Yeah. Um, I think Keith Lee is gonna beat Swerve. Oh, <laughs> why? Okay, and here's why. Um, I've convinced myself that they're not going to reveal Swerve as the devil. And we'll get to the 
thoughts on the reveal of who the devil's going to be, at least. And this is what I'm going to stick with at this point, since Tony kind of teased that we're going to get like a big development with it this weekend. And already the devil's masked henchmen of the Ring of Honor tag team champions, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very stupid. But <laughs> so Keith Lee wins because of interference from Nana backfiring or whatever right okay and swerve over the last like two weeks like we were talking to the discord the other day that they changed his entrance video to make it like more bright and poppy Mm -hmm. he's been adding more splashes of color to his gear and i think nana is at the very least like such a despicable heel character and the the gates of agony and brian cage and that whole affiliation they need to do something to get Swerve away from them if you're going to push Swerve as not only a top act, but also as a top babyface act. And it's a WWE trope, like, oh, somebody's going to turn, so it's okay, like, if they're going to go heel to face or face to heel, it's okay if we beat them in that last match, because their last match is a heel, because they're going to be babyface, and everyone will remember the babyface turn. So, whatever happens with Cage, Gates of Agony, Nana, they cost Swerve the match. Swerve gets pissed off at them and either fires Nana and them and they beat down Swerve, but it's going to be the impetus that causes Swerve to babyface. Like, officially, like, he is now a babyface, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's going to kill the whole Nana doing the dance to the Swerve music, but, <laughs> what's, but what is a... You, you mentioned before about Sky Blue and her ass meet. What is a bigger money-making thing? Nana doing a cute dance or Swerve being the face of your company? See, I, I don't disagree with everything you said, but I, I disagree with one premise of it. And that's that, first of all, I don't think, like a bunch of you guys in the Discord did, that his video package being brighter colors means that it's like, ooh, that's that's a hint that he's turning baby face. Or it's more built for baby faces. I just don't see it because there have been many heels in AEW that have bright cartoony entrance stuff. And I brought up Sammy Guevara in the discord. Like he's been using one where he's like a cartoon superhero the entire time he's been a heel. So I don't think that there's any thought put into the color scheme of the videos or the, the, you know, just the, when it comes to whether they're a heel or a face, I don't think that you need to, have Swerve break up the Mogul Embassy, break up a Prince Nana in order to strap a rocket to him and have him be reacted to like a baby face. I think Swerve can keep doing despicable stuff and just being a badass and a scumbag and have him be a baby face at the same time. Like Danielson's been doing it for the past two years. You know, Moxley does it where it's like, all right, we're going to be just these assholes who beat people up and cheap shot and, and jump you after the match and before the match, whatever. But then next week we're getting a pop. Like, I, I don't think you need to pull, like you don't need to change something about swerve to make them get cheered, which means you don't have to take Nana off of them. You can keep the mogul embassy with them. Like it's just one of those things where you can be a heel on paper and get a baby face reaction. It's not a bad thing in 2023, 2024. Well, uh, and I'll say this with the examples that you gave Moxley and Danielson have 20 years experience on swerve. They've got minimally 10 years of WWE television exposure at a top level. Uh, 
you know, however long it is that they've been in AEW longer than Swerve. Swerve is relatively new. He's only been wrestling as long as MJF, if not a little bit long, a little bit longer, right? But not much longer. And that rock, you're saying strapping the rocket ship to him. That rocket ship flies a lot faster when it's just one person, not five. And I think you run the risk of not getting as clean as a babyface reaction to Swerve if he's still got all these sneaky heel characters around him. Then you run the risk of turning them all babyface. And is that what you want? Do you want to turn all of the Mogul Embassy babyface? Or do you want to turn Swerve babyface, right? What is your plan? What is your goal? And I really think the goal, and and another thing is, like, obviously, yes, when there was the dynamite when he was feuding with Hangman and they break into the house and he cuts the promo on the baby, that was a pretty dastardly thing to do, a pretty despicable thing to do. But during the Continental Classic, all those promos that Swerve cuts afterwards are babyface promos. I'm wrestling hurt. You know, I'm doing this for my, you know, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for this. People have to cheat to beat me. All these sort of things, right? His promos have been very honorable and very babyface-esque and not very heel-esque. So again, it is a slow burn to the heel, the, the face turn. And I think we get the full face turn either at the pay-per-view or Wednesday when like they do some sort of stupid skit where like he calls an emergency meeting at the Mogul Embassy and fires them all, right? You don't have to do that. You just have to do a thing where fucking Nana costs them the match. He gives Nana shit afterwards. Him and Nana are like, okay, we're cool. But then, like, something else happens, and, like, the other guys in the Mogul Embassy attack him. It looks like Nana's going to stick with them. Nana starts putting the boots to him. Swerve starts to make his own comeback on four guys or whatever it is. And you do, like, a little short program between now and then where Swerve goes through the other members of the Mogul Embassy. Keith Lee even reaches out and says, like, hey, listen, we had our problems in the past, but I'll help you out with these guys. And Swerve's like, nope. I got myself into this mess. I got to get myself out of it. And he gets himself out of it, cuts the ties completely. He's fully a baby face. And we're to the moon, to Wembley main event against Will Ospreay. I just, my big disconnect is like, why go through all these steps to change him to a baby face when he could just be a world champion as he is right now? I think they need to separate him from the Mogul Embassy for him to really fully be a baby face. I mean, there's been, you know, <laughs> Triple H and Evolution. Oh, yeah. Great example. <laughs> uh, I was about to say Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. I'm saying that there's nothing against having your top heel be in a stable. But he's I not a heel. But he, on paper, he's a heel. That's <laughs> what so I'm saying. Like, you, I, you, I don't get why, in order for him to make that final step, you need to have him be a, a full-blown babyface. Because you do. I, I don't agree. I think right. Swerve Strickland right this second as whatever he is, whether he's a heel, whether he's a tweener, whatever he is, I think that what you got right now is good enough to be world champion. And, ten and if, years, you wanna, if you want to turn him full babyface, do yes. what you did with MJF. You know, MJF. No, won, because MJF is not, not full babyface. MJF is not full babyface. Right now, MJF is full baby. Unless he turns out to be the devil, MJF right this second is full babyface. I'll say they think he is, the crowd thinks he is, but his his character has been too inconsistent. Um, that's, that's just a, a, a an execution thing. That's nothing yeah. to do with like how he's booked. The, MJF is just as much of a babyface right this second mm-hmm. as Stone Cold was like when he was fighting Vince McMahon. 
It, it now, is is MJF anywhere close to as over or as good as Austin? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying as far as the way that they mean for him to be presented, you know, unless he turns out to be the devil tomorrow or whatever, Saturday, uh, it is the exact same thing. Austin was a babyface crowd reaction fighting babyface matches, but he still did the, the fuck you to Vince McMahon and like the, the kicking referees in the gut and stunning them. That's basically MJF right now. He's wrestling babyface opponents, unless it's like a you know Samoa Joe, I owe you this match type of thing. But it's still a babyface thing. And when he does his heel stuff, it's with a wink and a nod. And it's like I'm your scumbag. Nah. You know? And, See, that, and like, that's, I, that's Austin doing the the middle finger and the stunning referees. It's the no, same that's thing. it's it's not the wink and the nod. Is I'm playing a character of doing these things. Austin was don't trust anyone. MJF's character is looking for that crowd support. He wants everyone to be his. There's like he wants they're, to be everyone. They're everyone's not the bag. exact same thing, but okay. they're they're definitely parallels of each other. I agree to disagree. All right, well, okay. I'm just saying, like MJF is absolutely a babyface right this second. Uh, they think he is. He's not. Mm, they think he is and he is no let us know what you think and again this can all be thrown out the window yes on saturday if it turns out that he it was me uh, you know it was me all along type of promo but i think he's a baby face he's, right. it's not executed as well as it should be but he's a baby face right now so my other bold prediction is that mjf retains the title at the pay-per-view yeah, i mean if we didn't have all this devil stuff dangling over it'd be easier to predict this i feel like MGF has just been getting the shit beat out of him by everybody and doing two on one stuff. And now you have Joe taking the cut of the money. Yeah. And uh, laying out MGF at the end of the show. I just can't see how you can just have him beat Samoa Joe again. I don't know. Because you do a bit where the devil and the crew comes out. And obviously they're still working with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe sold out. They're going to help him beat MJF. But no. They put the screws to Samoa Joe. They lay out Samoa Joe, making everyone think it's like, oh, it's been Max all along. It's all this like stupid swerve upon swerve upon swerve, right? Mm -hmm. The deal with Joe and the devil from this past week was a one-time thing. We get the reveal at the pay-per-view that the devil is Darby Allen. Now, I haven't quite figured out how we write Darby Allen out of the eight-person match uh, on the pay-per-view, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, it'll be very interesting to see who he mixes it up with and who he doesn't during the match. Doesn't matter who the other goons are, really. It all depends about Darby, okay? Darby, for the first time in AEW, is now a heel. Max is incensed. He issues the challenge. I want Darby tonight here on Dynamite. He gets the match. And Darby beats MJF on Dynamite for the title. That's our write-off of Max. He gets to go home. He gets to play his bidding war of 2024 home, uh, bullshit. Sitting at home, looking at the lights. No one cares. Now, here's where our back half of the year, or here's where our start of the year goes. The, the You know, this plays off the pillars thing. It's stupid if it's Brit. It's stupid if it's Jack Perry. It's stupid if it's Dolph Ziggler. You want to have them be involved in some way, that they were part of it, but they were never the devil. It was always Darby. Darby's the champ, and he wants one thing. 
and he finally wants to be the first person in AEW to beat Sting. Sting is undefeated in his, AE, his illustrious AEW career. Sting's got his last ever match coming up. Shows sold out. They're, they're building additions onto the building to accommodate the people that want to come and see this match. And you have Sting be like Mr. Hitman. He's like, Darby was my protege. I don't agree with what he's doing. I'm glad he's the champion. I'd like to think a little bit of what I did rubbed off on him, but I'll never fight Darby. I'll just never do it. So they start announcing all these matches like, oh, in his last match, Sting is going to take on whomever. And whoever it is that they announce, Darby and the crew takes them out. They're out. They can't make the pay-per-view. They keep doing it. Darby and the crew keep doing it. Sting finally is like, if this is what you want, you'll get it. And the final match for Sting is Darby Allen as the AEW champion defending against Sting. And you can go either way with it. You have Darby win. And Darby is now the first person ever to add more onto that steam of who that character is now as a heel. He's the first person ever. And he'll be the only person ever to beat Sting in AEW. And he could lose that title. Can't take that away from him. Or you have Sting beat Darby. And Sting wins the world title. Something I wanted Sting to do. I wanted Sting to win a title in AEW so bad. His entire run. And his last match, he vanquishes Darby. And he retires as the AEW world champion. And you either do a tournament. Tony loves tournaments. No tournament. You retire that belt. You say Sting is just the world AEW world champion forever. Thank you very much, Sting. One less singles title that people can bitch and complain about. That moves the Continent or the Continental Classic Triple Crown up. It moves the OC title up. It moves the TNT title up. I've I, given a lot of thought to this. This is what I'm going with. I sent the email to TK yesterday. He hasn't replied yet. I I hope that it accidentally goes to a spam folder, dude. <laughs> Like I, I, I hate, I, I hate ninety nine point nine percent of of what you just pitched. Cool. I, I'm gonna tell you, and again, I, I think we we genuinely get along on a lot of things, but like we could not be further apart on just about everything you said as far as me enjoying watching it. Uh yes, Sting versus Darby Allen, absolutely is last Sting's last match. I know that that's gonna happen, but that's gonna be a match where it's like. They're both hugging and crying afterwards, and it's not going to have any storyline built around it. It's just going to be an appreciation of Sting, and you know whoever wins that, that's fine. But that's all. That's just going to be, uh, you know, two best friends, father and son, whatever, wrestling in a match. Um, I, I like the, you know, that's fine. Sting can win a title, but like getting rid of the AEW World Title to elevate the other belts, no. Because I feel like that's a disservice to the other champions that you've had already. And it there are many things you can do with this devil storyline that is that are bad ideas. But if Darby Allen being revealed as the devil is one of them, that is among the worst answers. As far as something that would if I saw it as a diehard AEW fan, I would be severely disappointed. I would be underwhelmed. I would be like, really? Darby Allen is the devil and I get it is one of the pillars, but he's not even in the top 15 guys in that company in my eyes, you know, maybe in TKs, but in my eyes, he's not. And I would just be like, 
so disappointed in that and him winning the world title, whatever. Like he's up, he is basically with Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara, the other pillars. But would you want to put a world title on on Sammy Guevara or on Jungle Boy? No. I don't see Darby being any higher. Yes, he's more over with the kids and he goes out there and he kills himself when he wrestles, but that's about as high as I see him right now. So I I hate 99% of that. I don't have a solution for who the devil is or what they do with the Samoa Joe match, but man, Darby ain't it. All right. I uh I don't know, I like my idea, you know. It's funny. Of I guess I do. Of course, it's your idea, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I agree. Sting versus Darby, Sting's last match, but that's going to be a you know blubbering, ugly tears, crying after match between the two of them and hugging, and then Ric Flair trying to get in there between the two of them and hugging them both. You know, that's what you're getting from that. You're not getting any storyline. You're not getting Sting winning a world title, Darby. You know, months of like Darby beating down people to get to Sting. It's just going to be a hey, I'd be honored if I was your last match, Sting. Okay, Darby, and that's going to be it. I, I, I think why not if we can add a little uh, mustard, a little steam to that program, why not? You know, it what else are you doing? It's it's sting. It doesn't need any any of that. Once I just want Sting to win the title, you know? Ain't happening. All right. Retire well, the we'll, like the TNT belt or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe Sting wins the uh battle royal as well, and then it's him and Edge at the uh Sting's last match. Yeah, I can see it's just Sting Darby, but in a non-storyline, you know, just a, hey, you're my opponent type of thing. That's all. Okay. You're overthinking it. Uh, and again, this could be the this could be the one where overthinking it helps, but we shall see. Yeah. So again, uh, I'm right. Uh, Swerve can be top guy as a heel, and MJF is currently a baby face, and Darby is not going to be the devil, or else that would suck. All right, those are my three hot takes. Let me know. Uh, let me know how much I am right when you're listening to the show. Right, and Adam is officially, unofficially uh, shadow banned on social media. So good luck in sharing your opinion with them. Well, they can share their opinion with me. They just won't be able to see things that I post. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah. Now. Uh, before we get into phone calls, I would be remiss since I did not mention it on uh, Longbox Heroes this past week. Uh, I, I think there's some sort of football game going on. Is this being recorded as you're listening to this? It's probably already done. Um, but in the ESPN Pigskin Pickums, I'm currently in 20th place. And not only is Adam in second place, but he's tied with Todd for second place, of all things. Yeah, the only reason in time I mention him on the podcast. Yeah, I don't care about the pigskin pick him. I have bigger fish to fry, Joe. Okay. Well, again, it was fish math this past weekend. Of course, <laughs> you got fish to fry. So before you get into any of that, let me play some voicemail. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. Hope you all are having a fantastic middle of your holiday season. I know that uh, Marcus and I are looking forward to seeing you live and in person for AEW World's End this weekend. Uh, It should be a good time and a fun time of camaraderie and uh, and fellowship. But uh, I can tell you what will not be a moment of camaraderie and friendship. You see, 
over two months ago on this very program, one of you two decided to talk out of turn. So to speak, and I want to to play that for you (laughs) right now. Um, I I lost. It happened. I mean, uh, it it stings that it happened uh, to be against the guy who drafted a kicker in like the third round, who clearly demonstrates that he has no idea what he's doing in fantasy football. But I got I got beat. You see, it was (laughs) on the October 12th edition Ooh, that's of my kid's at birthday. odds with wrestling in an episode aptly titled no faith in your shaming uh did adam van uh try to issue the backhanded compliment of all backhanded compliments telling me that i have i have demonstrated no faith as a person who knows what they're doing in fantasy football, as a person who won their championship in week five, Vansky, 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 I don't think you even thought that I would make it this far. So what I want you to do is I want you to take all your little Steelers that you drafted I want you to line them up. I want you to find every excuse you can find about how poorly Patrick Mahomes is playing for you and how poorly Tua Tango-Vialoa plays for you. And I want you to line every single thing up in a row. And then when my sixth-round kicker, Justin Tucker, puts the nail in the fantasy football coffin for you. All I want to hear come out of your mouth is this. Uh, good for you, Tim. Congrats on winning your Super Bowl. Love you. Love the show. Love you all the time. Bye, boys. Wow. Um <laughs> If I may have the floor for a moment. Go for it. Obviously, Mr. Tim put a lot of work into that call. He did. I wish he had put some of that work into his draft. Maybe he would have a better team. (laughs) And Mr. Tim likes to say, I mean, he points out that I did say that he's not that good at fantasy football. That's right. I said that on this podcast. He has the proof there. And he did beat me one time. But that doesn't mean he's good, Joe. That just means he got lucky. Mm. And so, when I faced him a second time, yes, I beat his ass. All right. I beat him down. And now in the playoffs, where he shouldn't even be in the finals if the seating was correct, it should be me and Todd. Because right. both me and Todd put up way more points than Mr. Tim and Ronald Two Legs. But he got lucky again, and he's in the finals. But you know what, Tim? Your luck is over. I am going to stomp you. And yes, Mahomes ain't playing good. Tua, not playing good, but I don't need good players to beat you. 
I hope I'm being clear about this. I can beat you with my backups. So bring it, Tim. I look forward to sending you your second place money after this weekend. Um, so uh, the he beat you. Was, so if he beats you a second time, is it still luck? Or would you be able to acquiesce and say, Tim is the better man. Picking a kicker in the sixth round was a great strategy. So much so that I'm going to do the same next year. Well, let me answer your second question first. In no world would I pick a kicker in the sixth round. He has Justin Tucker, who is currently the sixth best kicker in fantasy football. I currently have the number one kicker in fantasy football, and I got him off of waivers for nothing. I, in my sixth round, picked up Mike Evans, who up until a week ago was one of the highest-ranked receivers in fantasy football. I draft properly. And as far as your question about what would happen if Mr. Tim beat me in the finals, would I consider him lucky again? I don't have to worry about that because it's not going to happen. All right. I've beaten Mr. Tim. I've beaten everybody that was put in front of me. Dare I say I smashed and stacked them all, aside from two little hiccups. But the road to a championship isn't is seldom undefeated. But got him this weekend. I'm sorry. Sorry to. And then the best thing is, if I see Tim this weekend, his loss won't happen for another day, so he won't even be bitter about it. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tim sent that to me early in the week. And he goes, just got to get ready for, uh, you know, whatever. I didn't listen to it. I don't listen to the voicemails ahead of time. Um, but bravo, Tim, bringing it. Adam, good luck. I see, what was the kicker's name? Justin Pennyfeather. What's his name? Might as well be. Might as all well right. be. I, I will say, in all seriousness, Tim, you had a great season. Wish you the best of luck. You're going to need all of it because I'm going to end your year. All right. That's all. Could be worse. He could be finishing third. Ugh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, so. Uh, never mind. <laughs> First of all, let's. I'm not going to name names, but one of the people that's involved in that third place, uh, the final, like, because Joe, I don't know if you know this, the two people who lost last week have to face each other to determine who's in third. I know. I know. And, and one of those people was like, I don't even want to finish third. I'd rather lose the whole thing than finish third. Which is just ridiculous. I don't even know who would do that. That that's that's kind of weird old fucking Ohio behavior if I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, uh, thanks for your call, Tim. See you on Saturday. All right. Next call. Next call. Hi guys. It's the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur here. Um, calling. Because of something that just recently came to everyone's attention as of yesterday. I'm sure you guys may have already talked about it or someone else has called in, but I feel like I gotta put my two cents in just cause. Um, so as you know, obviously it's been almost a year since we lost a great friend in the business, Sean, a great referee, as we all know him, um, one of the best people you could have ever had. And, um, why do I bring this up? Well, obviously you gotta remain keep the legacy going, but we had some losers on a podcast talk so bad about this man. And if you haven't seen it already, I recommend you do, you know, as bad as that might sound, because 
it just truly encapsulates how fucking evil some people can truly be. To be so lacking of empathy and to talk so ill will on a man he tragically passed away. Um, you know, insulting his intelligence, this, that, or whatever. First off, how, how the fuck was he supposed to know? He, he, how was he supposed to know that he ate something that was he was allergic to? Okay, sorry, I can't even speak. It's just it blows my mind how someone could be so fucking evil and and talk like this. And the worst part about it, and look, I'm not involved in the drama and all these people, but to have someone in there, someone known as Larry Legend, you know, claim to be his friend, claim to be supportive, and to watch him, watch that man. Drag this man's name in the mud and to sit there with his tail behind his legs and smirking. That is just some truly buffoonish behavior. And I cannot, I don't know, man. Like, you think people have each other's backs in this business, but it turns out no one cares in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I got to say to this shitty ass podcast, um, I hope you get shut the fuck down. No one listens to you. And I hope everyone. Everyone drags your name through the water. And this guy who said the things he did is supposedly a worker. I would never, ever suggest anyone ever take liberties on someone in the match. But if you accidentally slipped up, maybe threw a strike a little bit too hard, maybe, you know, mistimed something, you know what? I wouldn't be mad. I'll leave it at that. I hope you guys are great. And I appreciate you guys being one of the better podcasts out there. I'm sorry we had to talk about wrestling. I know, Adam, you want to avoid wrestling, but this topic just should not be avoided. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And if you haven't already, make sure you guys get your tickets and stream the upcoming AIW event. It's going to be a wonderful show. Take care, guys. So, Adam, I'm going to guess you have no idea what uh, Artie's talking about, right? Uh, Well, first of all, Joe, how dare you? Second of all, I did see this clip. Um, because it was a lot of our friends from Ohio were like not retweeting it, but like commenting on it and running it down, you know, whatever. So I did see the clip and the guy who said what already mentioned, like just such a fucking douche. He's just like, yeah, bro, bro. Like, like I fucking wanted to punch him, not because necessarily what he said, but just his, he was, he has a very punchable face and a punchable voice. (laughs) And then to top it off the fucking shitty thing he said, like, I agree with Artie. Like, accidentally drop him on his head. I'd be fine with that. Right. So I have no idea who these people are except for Larry Legend, who's kind of outed himself as a piece of shit over the last several years. Um, you know, Larry used to be a nice guy. I'm not going to make any accusations about what's happened in his life over the last couple of years. But if you don't know what they're talking about, it was this guy, Sean, that I didn't know, but he was a referee. He was very beloved in the independent wrestling community. And he had passed away last year um, due to a peanut allergy. And listen, man, I have a, I have a family member who like he can't be within like 20 feet of like peanut dust or it's just like it's time to go to the hospital. And sometimes you just don't know that shit goes around, man. And I know a lot of people during covid issues with their immune system. You're used to wearing masks a lot of time. Shit happens. And that really sucks that this happened to this guy. He had a family. He was 40 years old and it sucks. And. ICW and whatever my opinions of ICW, a lot of the stuff that they do doesn't really fit into what I do and the deathmatch stuff and whatever. But this weekend as part of Restival, they're doing a two-night tournament, Battle of the Tough Guys, in honor of Sean. And for these people, and I'll say the podcast, Boulevard Bullies is the name of the podcast. It's a podcast that sucks. 
Um, I will say Kurt from Stink, she did have a, a good joke about it saying, is this that Deadlock podcast that everyone's talking about? Deadlock, like one of the biggest wrestling indie podcasts around. Um, so that was a good joke. Kurt's a maniac. I don't know if you listen to the Christmas special, the stink sheet. Those boys are crazy. Anyway, um, those people on that podcast are pieces of shit. Uh, Larry Legend trying to walk it back and talk it back. He can go fuck himself. Um, if you support those people, you're probably a bad person. And please don't make excuses to me, but this, but that, or this, or whatever. It was a long time ago. I didn't know any better. I don't know, man. Like, I do my best not to be around pieces of shit, right? And I, mm. I got a pretty good track record. And yeah. if you find out you have a lot of people in your life for piece of shit or they're friends with piece of shit, you might be a piece of shit, too. And I'm sorry you had to find out this way on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry I had to break the news. Yes. But, uh, again, uh, content of what they said aside, like, just the, the whatever, the 30-second clip that I saw of, yeah. like, the five people that were on there talking all over each other with, like, a bunch of different, like, pictures and pictures. And, like, it was the most, like, busy and, like, jarring presentation and then you top it off with the fact that they were all just like arguing with each other not like arguing oh no you shouldn't have said that i disagree but like just talking over each like i don't know how anybody could listen to it so i've never listened to them i've never heard of them before i saw that clip it's just a bunch of people trying to do like the like the pat mcafee sports like jungle crew but like doing it very bad and doing it for wrestling and i can't imagine listening to it the Pat McAfee Sport Jungle Crew is maybe the worst <laughs> sentence I've ever heard in my entire life, and I and I, I and I hope to never hear it again. That, that's your show title, I guess. No, like jung, like Zoo Crew, like that a morning radio would have. No, I, I knew what you meant, but yeah. the, the way that you presented it, I didn't like that. No, I, I was like maybe Jungle Cruise is what I meant. I don't know the other side of the waterfall. Whatever. Moving on. Thanks, Artie. Thanks, Artie. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Hope it was a wonderful Christmas time. About to be New Year's. Just trying to think of something, you know, uh, some sort of New Year's question. But you guys don't really do resolutions no. or best ofs or, or anything like that. And then I was thinking about the magnum opus of Santa's Muscles that everyone <laughs> watched this week. For the Patreon show. Of course, uh, those that don't know. I'm assuming you got Patreon gift cards for Christmas, and this would be a great way to use those. Um, but then with the Nismus selection, all, I was thinking, who's wrestling today that would be perfect for a Christmas movie? I mean, just embodies the spirit of Christmas, and, and that infectious attitude would just come through the screen, you know, much like Hogan and The Miz have done previously. And, I mean, it could be Santa, it could be an elf, it could be Mrs. Claus, it could be a Scrooge-type character that, you know, turns to so someone that could bring that magic of Christmas across on screen and also in the ring. So I think my thought is Willow Nightingale. Now, I, I don't have a movie pitch in mind. You guys don't have to think of anything either, but if you told me Willow's going to be in a Christmas movie, I would just say, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know what she's doing, but I could absolutely see her in a Christmas movie. So that's the goofy question for the week, guys. I'm exhausted from all my driving, traveling, visiting, and Christmas presents and, and everything else. So here's to making positive changes in the new year. And here's to listening to you guys and the Patreon show this evening. Talk to you later. Bye. 
First of all, why does he want to replace The Miz as being like the go-to wrestling Christmas star? Because The Miz is still in his prime. He just hasn't gotten, he hasn't picked the right role recently, you know? Mm. He's being very selective. But, go ahead, Joe. He's focusing on his stellar in-ring work. Exactly. You know, he's an all-timer. Joe, here's my pitch. And I think you can use, I mean, obviously I agree with Kevin Willow is absolutely somebody that exemplifies like a Christmas movie or just like a feel good movie. But I want to remake the movie Scrooged or something to that, uh, that thing where Willow is one of the ghosts of, you know, and you have to basically decide who is going to be the Bill Murray and then who's like the other two ghosts to visit the, you know, the Bill Murray character. Okay. Um, I like Willow as the character, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i going to pitch something else. Adam, are you familiar? Have you ever seen? Have you ever heard of? Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie in 1984. I know, again, pre-1990, so God forbid. It's called A Christmas Dream. Are you aware of this? I was four years old. I've never heard of it. Okay. So it's a Christmas it's – a, it's a made-for-TV Christmas movie. Where Emmanuel Lewis plays a miserable kid that has lost the magic of Christmas at such a young age. Okay. And he is shown how special Christmas can be by a tough-talking street Santa played by Mr. T. We're I, remaking, I think I've seen a picture of that, yeah. We're remaking that movie. Eddie Kingston is playing the Mr. T role as the Santa. Stokely Hathaway is playing the Emmanuel Lewis role. <laughs> That's my movie. All right. I guess uh, I'll have to finish booking mine and say that the other ghosts, you have Orange Cassidy, who's just like he doesn't care enough to like push you along in your story. Uh, who's going to be the other? And I guess we'll just throw in, you know, I don't know, just randomly. I'll pick somebody Sky Blue. Uh, she's one of the ghosts. <laughs> I think Chuck Taylor would make a good Ebenezer Scrooge type character. Oh, it's like he's your Bill Murray in that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. OK, I like it. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Oh, Sorry, the uh, we record early. Kevin called it a little bit later. I didn't get a yeah, chance to run it through the levelator, so I apologize. I was going to say, Kevin, I saw that call 12 minutes late. You owe us $12. $1 for every minute late. That's All right. Hate. It's pink button time. It's time for young Ed. Ooh, he's proud of these calls, too. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, I just went grocery shopping, and... Um, I bumped into an older lady who recognized me, and it was my sixth grade uh, math teacher. And she reminded me that I used to draw pictures uh, of Mick Foley a lot, which is weird. <laughs> I don't even draw. I'm not like an artistic person. I don't. I don't. It's too weird of a thing to remember to see she's lying. I'm just saying I have no memory of this. So um, I just wanted to tell someone that it was very odd. Uh, who did you used to draw pictures of when you were a little guy? Because like, I guess I used to draw pictures of like mankind and Duke <laughs> No memory of this. Uh, I'm also in line at Taco Bell because I had a really good Twitter week and I have earned it. Okay, bye. I don't know. Who'd, who'd you draw, Joe? I used to draw a lot of wrestling stuff. Um, 
course. You, you know, this would have been like eighty nine ninety. I would get like tablets that were getting thrown out, and I would just draw like he like like I'm gonna draw the entire card for WrestleMania five, and like here's all the characters and my shitty art style. And then as like comics became more into my life, I would like try to ape the art of the uh, image or uh, the good image artists, not the Rob. Um, and obviously I wasn't tracing, but I was trying to like get the line work and like not realizing that you actually have to be like, kind of go to art school and like train to draw that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I-, I would try to emulate like drawing spawn or drawing like, uh, members of cyber force. And then like, I would try to draw Spider-Man and I would give up. Like I, I tried to draw a lot of like McFarlane style stuff. Um, I, there was this is later than what I thought the initial question was read, but I'll go back a little bit further in a second. Um, I used to like I would have like the comic book posters on the wall, whether it be like you know an Azrael poster or Superman or a Batman or whatever. And if it was up on the wall, and like you said, without tracing, like I'd leave the poster on the wall and I try to draw that same picture. Yeah, and I'd say that I I. I wish I still, I might still have them somewhere. I feel like I was good enough where it would look like I 95% match. I'd say to, to be a little bit conservative, like they were to the point where if you looked at what I drew, you would say, well, that's absolutely traced. But like I would, it might take me hours and hours and hours to do like a basic drawing because I was doing it like so slow to match every single thing on it. So like, to the point where I thought I was a better artist than I was because I was just kind of uh, copying it. And uh, uh, it really overblew my, my uh, what, what's the right word for this? Like I thought I was much better than I was when I realized, okay, now draw something without having a, you know the, the reference next to it, and I couldn't do it. But uh, I, my, the way I took Joe, uh, Ed's question was like, what did you do like on notebooks in school? Like when you were doodling, I was big at like drawing big like, battles of like like not necessarily gi joe but gi joe style like i draw like tanks and like it would be multiple levels and there'd be like planes in the air and there'd be the water over on the side and boats and submarines and they were all just stick figures but it was because of the fact that there was probably like twenty thousand fighters on the the eight and a half by 11 uh piece of paper by the time i was done it made up for it in quantity over quality gotcha I, I'm more taken aback by someone was able to recognize Ed. Um, well, I mean, didn't he say it was a sixth grade teacher? So that was only like four years ago. Mm. You know, I, Ed, Ed posted a picture of himself in the discord in the uh, Fig Daddy Cool group of him getting a vac lord as a child. Uh-huh. And like, I knew that was Ed because Ed told me it was Ed. But I have a feeling that Ed today does not look the same as though he did when he was in sixth grade. And that's kind of like me when people recognize me that haven't seen me in like 25, 30 years and they're able to recognize me. And I'm like, I'm at least double the size bordering on triple the size that I was. I have a giant beard. And in my mind's eye, I'm, I haven't been that person in, you know, almost 30 years, but somehow you were able to like, Oh, that person that I knew when he was 18 and I'm seeing him now at 46. I, I recognize that person. And it just it's always so weird to me. Yeah, I'm just now looking at that picture. I don't think I caught it the first time around. Look at it. He's so adorable. Yeah. I just want to tussle his hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ed does call one more. T- oh, and he did have a good Twitter week. I'd be remiss not to mention that. I saw no misses uh, from young Ed this week. Next call from Ed. 
Oh my God, one last thing. I had a thought this week and I wrote it in my notes and I just saw it and it reminded me, hey, this is specifically just for, this is an Adam thing. So oh. you can comment too, but I know Adam uh, pays close attention to this stuff. So I wanted to bring it up to him. Sky Blue's new black gear um, <laughs> makes her look three foot fucking tall. She looks so much shorter in that one piece body suit. She looks like a little tiny midget person. <laughs> it makes her proportions look so fucking weird. She looks so weird. I hate looking at her. Oh my god. Hey. What did they do to her? What did they do to her with that gear? It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh my god. She needs to quit it. <laughs> She needs to not wear that anymore. It's so off-putting. It's so weird. She can't wear a one-piece bodysuit. Some people just can't pull stuff off, and that's it, man. She's been just looked bad. It looked really bad. Sure, Adam's disagreeing because her entire ass is out, so he's a fan of it. But I'm just telling you, like, she looked really, really fucking odd in it. Like, they didn't have time to, like, fit it properly. I don't know what the deal was, but that was, that was, that was really rough. Uh, you've just mentioned Ed's misses and not yeah. having any. There, there's one for you. I, oh, I don't I, know, Ed. Poor Ed. It was. I guess Ed was talking about her ass cheek gear from Saturday as opposed to her not ass cheek gear from Wednesday. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that that's what he meant. But I mean, the new gear is the old gear. It's not like they, it's not completely different gear. All, all she did was put on a pair of shorts underneath the old gear. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm sure her proportions are just as out of whack to add in both versions. Um, I'm just shocked that Ed saw it because he only watches uh, TNA and what, like Thursday night fights and other things like that, you know? Yeah, I, I will say I, I I do understand that Sky Blue is a tiny person to begin with, mm-hmm. so I could definitely understand why. Or maybe she was just in the ring with someone who was much taller than her. Um, I know that match that she had on Rampage with, uh, and again I forget the young lady's name, but she was like new to AEW, where Sky Blue debuted her new awesome finisher. <clears throat> <laughs> um, maybe that was the match, but I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know. I I think. Yeah, I think somebody needs to figure out gear that works better to her proportions or weird proportions or whatever. Yeah, the the gear day de- she didn't have the new gear in that match. The gear debuted in her tag match with Julia. Gotcha. Against uh, was it Abaddon and Statley or no? It was Abaddon and somebody else. Uh, Thunder Rosa. That right. was the match. And then her match against Statlander was the modified, more conservative gear. Again, I've updated my spreadsheets about this. <laughs> right. You you talk about your notes. I'd be interested to see what Ed's notes are to remind him, like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure that I call in about this. And I just imagine it's just like a word written down on a piece, like a, on a post-it note. And the post-it note's not stuck anywhere. It's just like maybe in his pocket or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Ed. Yes, thanks, Ed. Thank you, everyone, uh, very much for calling. Uh, we talked about the pigskin pickums. We talked about the uh, soon-to-be-named network fantasy football finals this weekend. We talked about the pay-per-view. Uh, but this Friday, uh, LVAC returns to National Sokols in beautiful downtown Bethlehem. Jammed-up card. Uh, I'll go through it real quick here. Uh, Tony Deppin and Rex Lawless taking on Cheeseburger and DK Van Du. 
Little Mean Kathleen and Clara Sierras taking on Shannon Levangie and Harleen Lopez. The Batiri, King Crab, and Murloc are taking on the Lost Boys and Catchpoint. Uh, Channing Thomas is taking on a mystery person. I know who the mystery person is. Uh, mm. Puff, Jeff we'll Cannonball, and what was that? So we'll talk out fair. We will. Puff, Jeff Cannonball, and Erica Lee are taking on Lucky, Brandon Kirk, and Alley Cat. And in what I think is the main event, Big Dan is taking on Sidney Bacabella in an unsanctioned Southside street fight. I and, I am curious, have Sidney's demands been met? Because he might no show. I was going to say, he, he claims that his demands were met, which is why he is showing up. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not. Because um, one of his demands was no vegans and no vegan food. And uh, that's that's like a pretty good demand that got met there. <laughs> right. I mean, I got it's, nothing against the vegans, I guess, but the vegan food. Ugh. Right. Um, and again, uh, only Creed plays while fans are entering. All wrestlers use Creed as entrance music. No vegan food, no vegans. Men cannot wear skinny jeans. A direct attack against Adam McGilvy. Uh, <laughs> hot babes. No alcohol. $1,000 payday. That feels a little light for Sidney Bacabella. And all fans must buy one piece of merch from him. <laughs> I mean, I agree with just about everything he said other than no alcohol. That's really the, that's my line too far. You know? Right. Uh, oh, well. But. I can officially announce here. Um, sadly, I will not be at the LVAC show this weekend. So if you were coming with the intentions to see me, to meet me, to something me, I do apologize. Um, how can I? So uh, I, and I feel bad. I don't remember the young man's name who they got to take my place. Uh, Jordan Castle, who's been doing uh, independent commentary all over the United States over the last couple of years. Um, I know he's been doing some GCW stuff recently. Uh, he did a couple stuff for some of the New Japan Strong shows. So a big um, name, talent person coming in and filling my very big shoes. Um, but let's just say I was officially, unofficially sworn to secrecy in regards to whether or not I was going to be able to make the show. Um, and again, I'm going to tiptoe quietly around this one, too, so that the mystery person can clean up the locker room. All right, we'll talk. All right. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the LVAC show, it will not be streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. I don't think there is internet at National Socals. Uh, there's a chance that it will end up on there eventually, just like many other LVAC shows. And of course, if you've never checked out Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, be sure to do so. Use the promo code at odds. If you're a new subscriber, you're going to let Jerry know that you came to him from us. And we'll get a little bit of a kickback if you keep your subscription going there. Uh, of course, we mentioned before the Patreon. You know, we, did, we didn't do the thing at the beginning of the show because it's been so long since I recorded it. Um, my conversation with Avery Good, Dasher Hatfield, man of many monikers, came out this past Saturday. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I got some I feedback. People enjoyed it. What'd you think? How'd you like it? Let's go. I I, I did like it. Um. It, again, it's just fun to hear you guys talk about stuff and to have things that like you're fuzzy on, he's fuzzy on, and the between the two of you, you put together the, uh, the the story as you know it. Um, it's just another good listen. I, I I can't recommend it high enough. You know. 
Yep. So you get that over on the Patreon, um, along with conversations with everyone that I've spoken to in the past, from Ultramantis Black to Derek Sabato to Eddie Kingston uh, to Young Ed, friend of the show Kevin Ford. Uh, I'm going to reach out to somebody probably the next week or so. I was waiting until after the holidays to start trying to line up who we'll do for January and beyond, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, eBay affiliate link. When you click on uh, links to various merchants on the site to make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay partner network. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting on you. Is there T public sales going on? Oh, no T public sale going on. Uh, the last sale was uh, Tuesday. When we find out what the twenty four the twenty twenty four sales are, we'll let you know. All right, fair enough. But you know what? I will let you know, Joe, that these podcasts you should listen to them. Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Um, no lucky people on those podcasts. Uh, we need wrestling. Um, nobody that got by on luck on that podcast. Porch Talk. Nope. Checks out. Viewers Choice. Uh, We'll get back to you on that. Indie Wrestling Guide, everybody gets by on their merit there. Wings on Wings, bunch of stand-up dudes. Hi, you bussy. And uh, Final Wrestling Place, which is a podcast comprised of one really good dude and another dude who's really good but is super lucky and is going to get his ass beat in fantasy football this week unless he fills himself up with a supplement that might, <laughs> might be recommended. I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. <laughs> anabolic steroids is a logical next step. Steroids are awesome. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, yeah, that was all really shitty, those plugs there, and it wasn't funny, but I thought it would be at the beginning. But, Joe, best part of the show. Let's do it. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot, but I'm the $100 Vansky, and your figures will be bought. <laughs> hey, Joe, did you buy anything? I did. Um, so, you know, obviously I waited till after Christmas before I bought myself anything. I don't get a ton of stuff for Christmas. I'm an adult. I buy gifts for other people, but I had a couple things on my wish list just to remind myself that I needed them. I got a couple of them from my folks and family or my, my wife, my kid, my family, uh, the things that were necessities. I did go ahead and purchase one of which was, uh, my new notebook, my new tablet. Uh, I carry around with me wherever I go, wrestling shows, comic book store, pretty much those are the only places I go. Um, and I've done this for, I don't know, the last uh, 17 years, where I write down, like, the it's college-ruled, you know, one of those notebooks, where I start from the front, that's the comics that I got to pick up for the week, and the back is, like, my commentary notes. And then once mm -hmm. it reaches to the middle, I get a new tablet, right? Yeah, uh, and that, when I, then when those I, go into a pile, and then I try to get them off of you to sell, and I haven't been successful yet. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, the, the tablet that I had had like three pages left in it. I'm like, ah, oh, beginning of a new year, I'll do that. But the best part about it is that when I get that new tablet, I decorate it with stickers. Oh. I love stickers. So let me, I'm going to, I didn't send, I didn't send pictures of them to you. I'm always very proud of this because I'm, I'm an adult man who likes to decorate things with stickers. So here's the front of it. Right. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And then this is the back of it. Yeah, I have to apologize because it's such a small image, but I can see some of the stuff on there. Yeah. I see that you guys. I see Spidey. I saw Saga on the other side. See, see what that says Terry Funk. Terry Texas. Funk. What else do I got? Anything good? There's a Spidey. I got uh, my Cardiff electric sticker on there. Smart Mark video on the spine here. I got Pod Van Dam. Remember Pod Van Dam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. You know, Pokemon LVAC so here on the spine as well. Are these stickers that you just had on deck, or did yeah. you peel them off of something else and? Like, how do you have, how, again, how, as a grown man, how do you have that many extra stickers laying around waiting to get put on a, a, a tablet? I have, like, I have way more. I love stickers. I have a, I have a giant manila envelope uh, in my desk drawer that's just full of stickers. Gotcha. All right. I, I have, like, I have a Pod Van Dam sticker, but it's, like, not the back of it's not peeled. It's just magnetized to the side of my fridge because, you know, stickers, you use them once and they're done. They're not like their superior cousin pins where you can just put nope. them on multiple things, you know? Pins are but. terrible. And uh, and and I bought a new printer for the house, for the computer. Um, printer we had died recently. And, you know, we don't print out a ton of stuff, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the printer died, and we have, like, six things that we need to print out, right? Yeah. So, I, like, they were, on, they were on sale at Walmart. We were at Walmart the other day. My wife and my kid got, like, new – they upped their prescription – on their glasses and we're just walking around waiting for shit to get done. And they had like, you know, nice HP, whatever come with like the first thing of ink free. It was like still like Christmassy sales lingering around for like 40 bucks. So I'm like, I need a new printer. So I bought a printer. Okay. Um, I didn't buy myself anything fun this week. Um, as you mentioned, Christmas was Christmas and I did get a couple interesting things. Uh, I will just say last year for Christmas, I asked Santa for this one book that was like the complete photographic history of like 80s transformers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen those. I've seen those. Yeah. And it was like, here's like all the transformers that came out in like 80. Four and then like sorted by Autobots, Decepticons. Here's eighty five, and and they'll be like, here's a picture of them in the box, and here's a picture of them like out of the box, transformed. So it was a great thing to just flip through, as well as if I have like a random transformer, like I want to figure out what its name was if I don't remember. But the same art or not artist, the same author had two other books, and I asked Santa for those, and one of them is the unofficial is the guide to Japanese and international Transformers. Oh. So it's like the like the original Takara versions or the versions like when they were all separate robot lines. You know, like here's like because you know that story how that early Transformers was just a mishmash of different scales because it was different robot figures from around Japan. You know. Yes. So. That's one of the books, and the other one is basically uh, the same thing, but just Transformers collectibles. So it's like everything from here's like the light bright Transformer stuff, and here's Transformers like you know socks and video cassettes and lunch boxes, and it's a complete video. Or I'm sorry, complete photographic history of all that stuff. So again, it's just something cool to flip through or, or use as a reference, or be like, oh man, I didn't know that existed, or I had that that type of stuff, you know. Um, so, I, okay. I did not to interrupt you. I've seen the GI Joe one. Like they, they have them for like the big popular toy lines. Um, 
you know, the G.I. Joe, Master of the Universe, that sort of thing. But as yep. you mentioned, the Transformers one, because American Transformers was like two or three or even four once it got to a point of different Japanese transforming robot toy lines kind of like all folded into each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's the nice thing about the the one that I sent you a picture just so you can see the covers. But yeah. the Japanese one, it's like when you see them in their original form and obviously like the paint's not even the same, like Optimus might've been like purple instead of red. And, you know, it's just, they changed it all for the U S audience. So it's very, really, it was pretty interesting to flip through that. So, um, I like those. I do have the He-Man one that you mentioned. I got that like last year as well. Um, maybe not for Christmas, but at some point, uh, funnily enough, the GI Joe one, uh, there isn't one that's in print that is like of the quality of these, um, I think like similar ones that I saw somebody recommend in the toy group. Uh, somebody's like, Oh, you need to get this one. Cause I asked about it and like used copies are like 200 bucks because for whatever reason they went out of print. So I got to wait on a GI Joe, but I'd love to have one eventually, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I got those for Christmas. I got some other stuff. I won't bore anybody on that. I will say that, uh, I had a terrible, terrible time buying the only thing that I tried to buy this week, which was like dress clothes as I had a job interview. I'm not going to go into detail on that, but I realized I don't have any, like, I only have sneakers. I don't have dress shoes anymore. And, uh, I don't have like dress pants because the only ones that I have were from like a hundred pounds ago. So mm. I needed something to fit. So I'm like, Oh, no big deal. The job interviews tomorrow. I'll just go and get shoes and get pants today. No big deal. I have nothing else to do. It could be my project for the day. I had to go to four stores before I found shoes that would fit. Uh, as I mentioned in the discord, I wear 15 sneakers. I did find finally a store that had some 14 wides that worked. Um, but the other thing is I, I was like, okay, what size pants do I need? And I looked at my jeans and my jeans are whatever size. And I'm like, oh, they're a little snug now. They're, they fit a little bit better a couple months ago, but you know, they're snug, but they fit. So I'll just get dress pants that are the same size. And I did, I went to Walmart and I just bought like $18 pants. Cause you know, whatever. Um, and I got them home and then I tried them on. Why didn't I try them on there? It's fucking Walmart. I'm going to take them home and they don't even come. They don't even come close to fitting. Like we're not even like within four inches of buckle in them. And I'm like, how is it that you can have jeans that are one size, but like dress pants, the math is completely off. Like, why is it so completely different? So I'm like, God damn it. I have to go back to Walmart, get a, like return these and get a bigger size. So I'm like, how much bigger do I need to go? So I'm like, ah, I'll wear a belt. I got like four inches bigger. And as I'm starting to walk away, I'm like, should I try them on? There's a fitting room right over here. I'm like, nah, we'll roll the dice. Oh my God. (laughs) So I went home and I put them on and they just, they kind of fit. Joe, I would have liked one size bigger. If only there was a way to have known that in the store. But by that point, I was already home, and I was like, I'm not going to Walmart a third time. That's just crazy. Um, but, I, again, I, I I don't even care if I wear them once because they're, they're Walmart pants. They're here for a good time, not a long time. We'll just throw them out afterwards. But uh, it, it worked out fine, but I did have to waste two trips to the store because I'm a crazy person. Um, well, as someone as well who you know has a, has a bigger foot, and depends on the type, the brand of shoe, the type of shoe, you know, from sneakers to boots to dress shoes to whatever it is. 
I run anything from a 13 to a 16, depending on the make and the everything. It's ridiculous, right? That's a fucking huge swing. Well, yeah. it, it all depends on, like, I, and again, I could, so off the rack, you can get up to a 12 and a Converse Chuck Taylor, right? Uh-huh. Any style, any design, any whatever you want, right? Yeah. You, you I, I need a 13 for a Converse Chuck Taylor, but that's like, literally I'm pouring my foot into a Converse Chuck Taylor 13. I need a 14. When you need a 14, you need to special order them through the website and your color choices are black, white. Sometimes they have olive green. Usually that's out of stock. Yeah. Dress shoes. I had to get dress shoes for a wedding this past year. And the dress shoes that I have were 15s. Probably could have used a 15 wide. I was very uncomfortable. I just wore a thinner sock. We were good to go. I went to my my wife forced me to get new um, walking shoes. I forget where I, I mentioned it on here. Those the the fancy New Balances. I, I put the picture up so DeWiki could say that they were all right. Those yeah. I had to get into in a sixteen. I probably could have gotten away with a fifteen wide, but. I felt my left toe kind of like the, the toe on my left foot a little cramped on the 15 wide. We went to the 16 and everything was fine. It all depends on the make and the manufacturer and the type and the material. There's so much to it. Same thing. How goes the hell? Did, how'd you find a 16? Like, like, did you go into a store and they actually had 16s that someplace? I, I went to the, my wife works at a shoe place. She has for the last like two years. Okay, um, yeah. that's her. That's her six- business. Yeah, they they keep irregular sizes in for irregular oh. people. <laughs> I might have to go visit her next time I need shoes. But yeah, if I mm. if I knew you needed a whole thing, I could have told you to go there in the first place. But yeah, and- now I had I have like I, I have ties for days, and I had like button up shirts that fit fine. I just needed pants and and uh, and shoes. So I, I'm saying you could have went to the job interview in a, in a Zelda Triforce hat and a hoodie, and you would have been fine. Yeah, well, I, I am very qualified, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I, in much demand. But yes. that's all I have. Like I said, I didn't really buy anything for myself. Uh, it, we are in the year of financial responsibility. I wanted to, you know, make sure we, we end it that way. Mm. Although, although, Joe, tomorrow, tomorrow. <gasps> yes. We got to buy that Eddie Kingston fig. That's right. Uh, one, uh, no, you know what? Um, I'm not going to tell anyone when it's going on because I want less people and they're trying to get it. Yeah. Joe, Joe, come on. Let everybody know that at 4 p.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time, the Eddie Kingston figure goes on sale. All right. Yeah, 4 p.m. Uh, just be there bright and early. Maybe come on at like 3.50 p.m. Yeah, you know, so you know, know, get yourself a nice cup of coffee. Get your browser up to date. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the one of the one of 3,000 uh, Eddie Kingston goes on sale tomorrow. A little earlier than I thought. I had predicted, I think... Uh, some people were asking when when I thought, or no, they weren't asking me. Nobody asked me, but I knew. <laughs> I said, uh, like the it would be the week of the AEW World's End, but I usually they usually come out like a couple days after the pay per view, so it was surprising that it was you know the day before. So right, uh, I know they when they did the Jamie Hader one, it was the same day as All In. It was but the be- morning of, but that right. was also like weird because it went on sale like 9 a.m. London time or some yes. shit. And it was uh impossible to get. But nobody got and, those. You and know? they didn't yeah. give and they didn't give anyone a heads up ahead of time. Like this time, at least with the Eddie figure, they're giving you like 18 hour notice. 
Yeah, this is the very first time, because you know I've collected all of these. Right. Um, this is the first time that there's been any advance notice of the figure going on sale. Like, we've always seen them, um, because they generally are sold at the pay-per-view, like, signed. Right. And, like, then I'll be like, okay, I know this is this exists, and I'll keep my eye out in the next couple of days. But this is the first time that we know an on-sale date and time, which, again, December 29th, 4 p.m., for anybody listening to this. Um, 4 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, yes. yes. Uh, that's when they go on sale. Uh, I'm hoping that they... It's been a long time since I've tried Order 2. We talked about this before. I want to. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, you know? And that and that was the other thing, because I know a bunch of us are going to want it. Um, you know, obviously, we always try to, like, see what we could do to help brothers out, try to combine on shipping. But I definitely feel as though you would say the last couple times that they did this, it was, like, one per cart only or one per order only. Yeah, that was definitely the way it was in the early days of these figures, because I used to buy an extra to flip them. Uh, so I used to have to go to like a different credit card and like ship them to like a different address. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once like they started to not be flippable, I stopped checking. So it has been a long time since I've I've checked to see. Um, but also keep in mind, pro this is pro wrestling tees. If they charge you seven dollars to ship one, they're probably going to charge you thirteen seventy five to ship two. You know, like we yeah. get to that twenty-five cent savings. Uh, so even if there was like a deal where it was like, oh, they don't have a limit, you know, you're not really saving money by going in with the rest of the crew. You know, right? But yeah, I need that uh, for those who don't know. We're just blabbering on. It's the Eddie Kingston holding the gas can, all bloody. Uh, Four o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. Right. Yep. All right. I gotta. That's I gotta, all I got. All right. I gotta go to bed. I gotta edit. I gotta record Santa with muscles. And uh, get that Eddie Kingston figure tomorrow at 4 Eastern. Yep. Yep. Bright and early. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. This was episode 273 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.